Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Element City Church. We are thrilled to have you here and thrilled to have you joining us online. And so welcome and glad that you're here, especially if you're new. Uh, we want to welcome you to be a part of the church. And I know in this crazy season, uh, we want to be about connecting, doing that the best we possibly can. And so welcome and glad that you're here. If you're tuning in online, we have some online hosts. Uh, I believe Josh and Danielle are there tonight. So reach out to them. If you want someone to pray with you, they would be happy to do that, answer any questions you have, interact with you throughout the night. And if you have not downloaded our free app, I want to encourage you to to do that. Uh, it's a way to, to get connected, a way to figure out everything that's going on around here, and we kind of travel light and go in your pocket, and on there is our connection card. Yeah, so on the app, the connection card, you could find it on there. Uh, the online host should hopefully be posting that online too, and you guys could fill it out there. Um, but if you're new, if you're either new online, new in person, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to get to know you, chat with you. Um, just get to figure out how you heard of us and why you came and see where you are on your journey with Christ and all that. So uh, fill that out and we'll connect with you sometime uh, in the next few days, in the next couple weeks. Uh, the reason Matt is up here is he makes me look better and uh, he's an awesome guy. And uh, I wanted you to kind of meet Matt if you haven't met him yet because he's awesome and he is a great dad and a great husband. And uh, I want to affirm him tonight and honor him and let you know uh, online and here in the house that we have asked Matt to kind of take a different role here at the church, an expanded role as ministry assistant, which means Matt is helping me. And I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> um, Matt has many different hats that he's going to be wearing, everything from uh, our connections team to different projects and assignments throughout, and, and so no longer just focused on student ministry, but really focused on helping the entire church in all the ministry that we do. So wanted to make sure that you heard that from him, and one of those things is we get ready to start back up eKids, and why don't you talk a little bit about that? So last week, uh, we started our first week back at eKids, where you started with just infants, babies, up to kindergartners. Uh, we'd love to have the other classes open, but what that, take, that, what that will take would be more volunteers. So if anybody out there is interested in helping out, uh, we'd love that. If you're a parent, we'd love that. Um, but yeah, Jen's over there right now hanging out with some of the kids, and we have some leaders, so it's great. Uh, and e-students, yes. Uh, so with COVID and everything that went on, uh, eStudents kind of took a back seat, but we are looking to start that up come January. Um, the rest of this year, we'll be doing a couple events to connect with the students. Um, we're still thinking of what those are and planning those out, but we'll make sure to let you guys know uh, as soon as we figure that out. Thank you, man. Um, so... E-students, if you have a student that's 6th through 12th grade, have them connect with Matt and with our team. We would love to kind of get them back in the loop as we get that rolling here in January and a couple times here this fall. So uh, I just wanted you to meet Matt, to see him because he's awesome, and to, to wish him well in this new Endeavor expanded role uh, with us. And so tonight, as we kind of launch into service, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray for Christ Community Church. That's the church of the week. Pastor Brett and asking God's blessing over him and God's blessing over us tonight. Uh, again, this coming Saturday is our second Saturday, so if you want to serve with us in giving out food, uh, check out the app. has all the details. We would love for you to help serve with us here and at the school next Saturday. So let's pray. Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather as the church uh, on-site or online. 
God, we're asking this next hour, we're setting it aside for you, and we're praying, Jesus, that you would meet us with a refreshment of your love and your grace and your kindness and your goodness to us. Father, as we worship you, would you meet us in these praises and stir our hearts afresh and anew. We pray your absolute best blessing over Pastor Brett at Christ Community Church as we lift up the Church of the Week. And God, churches all across this uh, city who are seeking the, uh, the best and your best blessing over Christ Community this week. And so we ask for you to give them the wisdom and discernment, the resources they need, the influence they need to make a kingdom impact and difference. So we pray that you would do that in and through Element City Church as well. We pray that you bless this time and that you'd be with us as we worship you now, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Psalm 116 says, what can I give back to God for the blessings that he's poured out for me? A pour, I'll raise a glass, a toast for salvation. Here's to the one who made the morning bright. Here's to the one who taught the stars to shine. Here's to the one who graced the dead of night. Pulled me from the dark, set my heart alight.
victory he lavishes on us as deep cries out too deep oh how desperately he wants us the things of earth stand next to him like a candle to the sun
this thought just crossed my mind today that uh, if we really could get a glimpse of your holiness God if we knew how set apart you were that we would comprehend your love in a much deeper way when we realize how unworthy we are uh, to receive it yeah, it just speaks to the goodness and the glory uh, that resides in you despite our imperfections, God, uh, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to restore relationship with us. <laughs> Again, it's not because we were worth it. It's just you loved us that much, Lord. You sought to show your heart to this world in such a magnificent, such a powerful way. And so, Lord, tonight, would you just give us a glimpse of how deep your love really is for us. That in this moment as we worship you, as we set our hearts, our affections upon you, God, that we would find ourselves totally fulfilled. And we'd see that all of our deepest desires, all of it is fulfilled only in you. And yet so often we're half-hearted creatures. C.S. Lewis said that we fool about with drink, with sex, with ambition, when infinite joy has been offered to us. So let us see that joy tonight, God, the joy that comes from knowing you and being known by you. And so if you're up for it, pray for yourself tonight. Ask God to speak to you. Ask God to help you to open your heart, to hold nothing back tonight. God to speak through him, through his words. Ask God to use his message to touch all of our hearts. 
to challenge us in the ways we need to be challenged tonight. trust you. And now we just ask your Holy Spirit to move in power. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's good to, to worship together, whether you're here on site or home online. Um, you know, when, when people talk about prayer, uh, <coughs> There's a lot of things that go with that. Um, most of us, I would assume, if I were to ask and take a poll in this room, would reflect mostly what polls have kind of portrayed across our land, that 90% and higher would, would answer the question, do you pray? And, and they would say, yes, uh, I, I, I pray. And, and, and prayer is so deep and, and meaningful, and yet sometimes it's, it's less than that. And prayers come in all shapes and sizes, if we're honest, there's prayers that you pray with your kids at night, and I've enjoyed those times as a dad. There's prayers that you pray as you walk into a, into a classroom to take a test. Anyone? Come on. Okay, yeah. That you're praying kind of those arrow prayers. Lord, uh, I did not study enough for this, and I need a lot of help. Maybe you've had those prayers. Maybe there's prayers that you pray before a meal, prayers that you pray over family members that are traveling or taking a trip, maybe prayers in your devotion time when it's just you and God and you're reading the scriptures and it's just, you're trying to communicate because that's really what prayer is, is communicating with God. It's listening, it's talking, it's not just going through a laundry list. Prayers for people, prayers with people. Uh, one of the challenges that I've tried to adopt more and more the older I've gotten is just, anyone else ever done this before? You know, someone gives you a prayer request, you say, oh, I'll pray for you, right? And then you walk away and then you run into them a little bit later, a few days later and you're like, oh, I totally forgot to pray for you. Um, and so I'm actually challenging myself to just, like, when someone asks that uh, or gives me a prayer request, is I just take 30 seconds right then and do it. Like, actually pray for them. And I would love for us as a church, because here's what I know about you. You have benefited from someone praying over you and praying for you and praying with you, haven't you? That, that you've been the benefactor of that. And prayer matters. It's not just a, a communication thing with, uh, with God and a communication opportunity, but it, there's something that happens inside of us when we pray, and especially when someone prays for us. Uh, I don't know if you saw this picture uh, a couple years back uh, from Dutch Brothers, right? As a, a woman had pulled up uh, in the line, you've all been there before, and, and she started sharing and just started weeping. And uh, one of the baristas was like, are, are you okay? Because uh, that's not normal in a, in a moment. And uh, found out that uh, she had a death in the family the night before. And so you just see these baristas reaching out the window and holding her hand and uh, praying. And the person behind them took this picture back in 2017 and, and posted it. It went viral. Because this is what we know. Like prayer matters. Like it's important. It, it's meaningful. Uh, it's helpful. And tonight, as we continue on our series in the book of Ephesians, so if you have your Bibles, you can go to the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 3, 
Uh, if you have the app, you can down, uh, kind of scroll down to sermon notes, follow along there. If you're on version, you can follow along there as well. But we're looking into one of these early prayers that Paul prayed for this church in Ephesus that we've been looking at. And kind of the people that were gathered, there was a very large gathering, large church uh, for the day back in the first century. And Paul is praying for them. In fact, uh, just as a pastor, I just want to encourage you, if you're ever struggling in your own prayer life, like if you're ever feeling like maybe your prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing back, um, can I just encourage you, read through some of the letters uh, in the New Testament and some of the prayers of Paul and of Peter and others who had written these and just pray their prayers uh, for yourself and for your family and for those around you because they're really incredible prayers. And I want us to look at one of those tonight and spend some time kind of dissecting it, kind of drilling down into it. And then I'm going to ask you to take a moment tonight and for us to take a moment and to pray this maybe for one person that you know in your life that you'd love to see them come to know the love of Christ a little bit more. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, I want that. I need a refreshment of that. And so maybe you're going to pray that for yourself. So that's where we're going uh, here in a few moments. But looking at this idea of praying for one another is very scriptural. And Paul is writing and he's saying, look, here's the deal. I want to pray this. I'm praying this over the church. And I spent some time praying this over you and many of you by name this week because I, I want this so badly for you. Uh, to understand it for myself as well. So just as a quick recap, Ephesians chapter 1 is all about our new identity uh, that's given to us in Christ, that as a follower of Jesus, as one who has said yes to Jesus, that we recognize that we've been adopted, we've been redeemed, and that we've been sealed now by the Holy Spirit, and kind of that God's got us with that. And then week two, we looked at this idea of what Jesus did through this divine demolition work that he did on the cross, and this renovation work that he's doing, not just restoring us, right into a right relationship with the holy god but also a right relationship one to another that demolishes things that try to hold us back and that try to separate and divide us and we talked about how we live in a culture that almost pursues that and even in our own nature we kind of set up walls instead of tearing them down and and the gospel is saying, no, no, don't set things up that divide you. In fact, that's what Christ has come to do. And then kind of Paul goes through the first part of chapter 3 to kind of accentuate that thought. And then he gets to this prayer. And I want to read it to you. Uh, and I want us to kind of go through it together. So Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 14, he actually starts his prayer in verse 1 and then gets sidetracked, uh, which Paul does often through his letters. That's why his sentences are really long sometimes. In fact, verse 14 through 19, again, in Greek is one sentence. In English, we see it as like several. It's one sentence in Greek, in the original language of what Paul wrote. And so he starts in verse 1, and then he kind of goes back to this thought of what he was saying in verse in chapter 2, and then comes back to this prayer. So that's why it starts with this idea, for this reason, meaning what reason? Okay, this reason that I started to pray, and then I got sidetracked. Now I'm back. Here's the reason of this prayer. Here's what he says. Verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom, all, uh, from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, not yours, his, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
That's quite a prayer. That's way more than, Lord, help Aunt Susie with her ankle. You know, help so-and-so with the, the thing they're navigating. Those are good prayers, necessary prayers. But there's something of great depth here. And that's not just theological depth, but it's relational depth. That's what Paul's writing. I, I want you to know the love of Christ relationally. Not just in your head, but I, I want you to know it and to be known by it. That there's this relational exchange that's happening that would overwhelm you. In fact, you would investigate it for the rest of your life because you'll never get to the end of it. You'll never fully grasp it. And, and you can't even grasp it all on your own. And so I'm praying that you would, you would have the power through the Spirit to understand more and more and more and more throughout the years of how much Christ's love is for you. It's an amazing prayer. One sentence, that what Paul is writing, here's the depth, the Greek word here that he talks about, that, you, that Christ might dwell in your hearts. How many of you live in an apartment or a house, right? So most of you are homeless, is what, uh, okay. So, uh, like, okay, you live in an apartment or a home, right? So, okay, if that's you, here's what you know, that when you moved into that apartment or you moved into that house, uh, it became your dwelling place, right? But when you first moved in, remember that, like, first night, first couple days you were there, and there were boxes everywhere, right? And you're like, where did I put the kitchen stuff? It's not in the box that's marked kitchen, like, that would make sense. Apparently, I put it somewhere else. And so, like, you would go through that. And, and what did it take you? It probably took you a week, maybe longer, a month, maybe even a full year before you actually felt like it was home, right? You moved in, but you didn't really dwell there. Like, it was a place that you come back to, and sometimes you had to remind yourself, okay, yeah, yeah, I moved to this place. And so, like, you would get there, but after a while, it became rhythm, and it became home so much now that you actually drive up, and there's a sense of, like, isn't there? That when you get home, maybe it's home from a hard day at work, maybe it's home from a, a project that you've been chasing after, or maybe you got a second hustle that you're doing, and, and like, just, you get home, and there's just a sense of relief when you're walking through and you're turning the key to the door and you're, and you're there, and this is the place that you dwell. That is what Paul is saying. The Greek word for dwell is this idea that, that Jesus would take up permanent residence in your heart. When the Bible speaks of your heart, it always speaks of it as being the core of who you are, the core of your soul, the core of your life, everything about you, that it is the core, and that's why we're said to guard your heart above all things, because it's the core of you. So when the scriptures speak of that, and Paul is saying, listen, my prayer for you is that Christ would dwell in your heart, at the core of who you are, that he would be at home that he wouldn't just be an Airbnb guest that's there for a weekend or there for a Sunday thing. That he wouldn't just be this relative that comes and visits for a couple weeks a year. That he wouldn't just be this traveling through guest. Maybe they're a traveling nurse or so. They just need a place to hang out for three months because they're going to rent your room for that. And Paul's saying, no, no, no. It's not that. I'm praying that Christ would dwell in your heart, the core of who you are, that you would not only say yes to him because he is your savior, but that you would say yes to him and unlock every door 
of your life and of your heart and that he would have full access. Now, some of us bristle back and like, okay, full access? Like, okay, can, can I, the first floor? Awesome. Basement? I'm going to like have some of that to myself. Listen, I understand that feeling. I understand that desire to want to maybe keep some sections of your life kind of locked off to Jesus. And hear what Paul is saying, I pray that Christ would dwell in your whole heart. Are there things that we all battle and things that we all wrestle with that we, we wish we could maybe lock that away? But the truth is, you only get help and health when the whole house is open, when the whole heart is available, even the broken places and even the places of darkness, that when Christ's love can come in there, he can actually do a helping and healing work for you and with you and in you and through you. And so Paul's saying, I pray that Christ would dwell in your heart and that you would be rooted and established. You would be rooted, that Christ's indwelling presence and his spirit's strengthening power for you as a believer, as a follower of him, would be rooted and established. That you would be rooted and established in what? In love. That at the core of who you are, the foundation of what you are about, that you would be rooted and established in love. That the love of God would root so much into you, this picture of trees, right? This picture of tree root system that would, would take, how many of you experienced the wind yesterday? Can we just say it was a little bit windy yesterday, right? I saw some trees that had fallen over. Why? Because the root system couldn't handle the wind. But most trees, well, the root system is established enough that even when the winds blow and the troubles come, that the root kind of holds that foundation strong. And they're established and they're there. That This idea of being established or grounded, maybe your Bible text says, this idea of a foundation, we think of buildings. That when a building goes up, we look at okay, what the building looks like. But the reality is it starts with a firm foundation. If you don't have a firm foundation, then the rest of the building, no matter how beautiful it looks, it won't stand. And it doesn't withstand. And so Paul is praying that Jesus would not just be a word to you or to me. He is praying that Jesus wouldn't just be a symbol to you or to me. That Jesus wouldn't just be a, a part of the history of your life. But that Jesus would come to live more and more in you. And that the roots of your life would go down into him. That the foundation of your life would be built and rest upon him. And upon the work that he did on your behalf and upon the grace that he now wants to give and empower you to live, that he would become more and more active in your experiences with him, and that you would know him and that you would live for him more and more naturally. Paul's saying, I pray that you would be rooted and established in his love. Not your love, but his love. Because then when the winds come, it's not based on your emotions and how you feel, it's, it's what you know to be true that he is that foundation, and that you would come to know, in fact, that you would be able to grasp, he says, how high and wide and long and deep is this love of Christ for you. It's interesting. Uh, Paul does this a couple different places where he puts descriptors, right? How high and how wide 
and how long and how deep. Scholars have argued, okay, why is Paul doing those four things? Why is he expanding that? Christ's love is total. It's complete. It's external. It's all-encompassing. It reaches every corner of our experience, and it's meant to. That this passage is so, and even that when we seek to grasp and understand God's love, we will never fully be able to grasp it. Meaning it's, it, it is knowable and yet not fully knowable this side of heaven. And doesn't that boggle your mind a little bit? That the love of Christ is fully knowable to you, but not quite fully, fully knowable. Meaning this side of heaven, you're not going to ever get to the end of it. Anyone ever go swimming when they were a kid? And not that I recommend doing this, but ever try to swim underneath a pool cover? Okay. Uh, I knew a guy once who tried to do that. Uh, and so this guy would, like, hold his breath, and he would push off, and he would go. And, and, like, it was motivation to get to the end because you knew you might get stuck underneath the pool cover. Just this guy was a little dumb. Uh, and so, like, he would do this, right? And then he would burst through the surface at the end and, like, oh, I did it, right? And, and so you would get to the end. Here's the deal. You're covered by the love of Christ, and you will never reach the end. So don't try to swim underneath the cover. It's this idea that you're invited to be a part of this, and you'll never fully get to the end. That's what Paul's saying. It's so wide. It's wide. It's covering the breadth of your experience and reaches out to the entire world. It is long. It's continuing the full length of your life on into eternity with him. That it is high. It rises above all of your celebrations in the greatest elation moments of your life. It's higher yet. And his love is deep. It reaches to the depths of the discouragement and despair. And even to your death, it reaches beyond that. That Christ's love is there. Some scholars have attempted to understand, okay, is this the four dimensions of the cross? You know, and the top and the bottom and the left and the right of the cross. Is this the four dimensions of the heavenly city that's described in Revelation 21? Or the four dimensions of the universe? I don't know fully. Here's what I think Paul's trying to say. He's pointing out the magnitude and the vastness and the depth of this incredible reality of the unsearchable height and width and depth of God's love for you. And that you can swim there your entire life trying to understand more and more of how much he loves you. Do you know what the highest point in our world is? What's the highest point? Anyone know? Mount Everest, 29,000, 29 feet above sea level. And Christ's love is higher. It's higher than that. Do you know what the greatest depth in our world is? Anyone know? It's the Challenger Deep. It's this, uh, this trench that runs off kind of uh, west or, or a little bit east of Guam. Uh, and this trench that's there, the Marina Trench, that's 35,000 814 feet below sea level. And Christ's love is deeper. That's what Paul's trying to get you to see. From the tip of Mount Everest to the, to the depth of the Challenger Deep, Christ's love is bigger. It's wider. It's longer. It's deeper. And you have your entire life to explore it, and you'll never get to the end. And you're invited to explore away. That's the beauty of Christ's love. That Paul prayed that we grasp the limitless dimensions of his life. That we, we would have a, a better understanding. Not that we would love Christ more. 
though that is a byproduct of this prayer, but that we would understand how much Christ loves us more. And when you understand how much Christ loves you, well then, of course, you, you, love, that, you love him back. But it's, it's he went first. It's 1 John 4.19. We love because he loved us first. It's not that we mustered up the love and we created enough energy to say, Jesus, we love you. No, it's he went first and he established that. It's being rooted and grounded in that. It's clean, cleanly seen. Um, if You remember the play Les Mis, right? And uh, Jean Valjean in the play is given grace by this priest and it, it forever changes his life. And he begins to express this grace and hope to others because it was expressed to him that we may never know the full extent of Christ's love for you, but you will never exhaustively fully comprehend it all. But may you enjoy the journey of trying to get there, of seeing how much he loves you. He's praying, Paul's praying, that you would ponder these things and that you would be changed and continually transformed as you lean in to the love of Jesus for you. See, God does not ever move us beyond the gospel. He moves us more deeply into the gospel. The gospel is God's love for you expressed in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. There isn't more to the story, but there's a challenger, deep kind of depth to it. And there's a Mount Everest kind of height to it. And you will never fully completely understand how much Jesus loves you. And that's what Paul is praying. I love John Owen had this quote. We are never nearer to Christ than when we find ourselves lost in holy amazement of his unspeakable love. Friends, the older we get, we tend not to have a sense of wonder to our life anymore. We've figured everything out. Can I just remind you what Paul's praying here is you'll never figure out all of Christ's love for you. You can commit your whole life to trying to do it. Go for it. But you'll never fully understand all of it. But enjoy the journey of discovery of how much Jesus loves you. Jack, I know, okay, that's just an okay preacher guy. Uh, Jesus loves me. That's awesome. No, no, no. Jesus loves you. Okay, I get that. That's awesome. No, 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 no. Jesus loves you. Okay, okay, uh, preacher guy, that's awesome. Okay, God loves me. Yay. No, no, no. Jesus, the creator of everything, he actually saw you. He sees you now. And he loves you right where you're at. Does he love everything you do? Probably not. Does he love everything I do? Probably not. But he actually loves you. He doesn't just like you. He doesn't just tolerate you. He loves you. No, no, no. He loves you. No, don't rush on. Don't try to move on to something else. You've got to learn to sit with that. Why? That'll change your life.
How big is God's love? It's as big as the cross. That Jesus, the perfect and holy one, saw Jack. Said, there's no way Jack's going to ever figure out this relationship of trying to get right with the holy God. I'm going to come and I'm going to pursue a relationship with him. And I'm going to step in front of the punishment he deserved. And I'm going to hang on that cross. The one who is not guilty of anything took the shame and the pain for me, for you. Jesus loves you. And that if you were the only person on the whole planet, he still would have done it for you. Why? Because he chooses to. See, when you love someone, what you give, that's what you do. And Jesus, don't rush on. He loves you. And I know you may get tired of me saying that. I don't care. Because I want you to get it. Why? Because when you get it, it changes everything. And when it's not just something in your head, and it's not just something that you read on a page, but it's something that begins to encapsulate your whole entire life, then you can live from a place of rest. Jesus, remember what he said? All of you who are weary, heavy laden, you come to me and I'll give you rest. How can you give someone rest when they know they're loved? And they don't have to do to earn. They don't have to try to work hard in order to to get in right relationship. No, no. They just get to rest. Why? Because they're loved. And now they get to live out of that. And so what we do isn't an expression of trying to earn anything. In fact, it's a freedom that we get. Why? Because we're loved. Do you see why it's important not to rush on? That's what Paul's praying for you, for me. That the church must champion this incredible love of God and display it in the way that we treat one another, the way we treat the world around us, to point people to the detailed understanding of the love of Christ, that in his life and his death and his resurrection, that at the cross, God's love is on the fullest, crystal clear HD display. That's what Paul's saying. You want to know what love looks like? This is it. And you are loved. Let that forever anchor you to a place of rest and to a place of hope and a place of grace that he did that for you. And Paul's desire is that you would understand that. You would come to a place. And so here's the invitation as we move toward just a time of of prayer and a time of, of worship. Uh, the team's going to come back up, and we're going to move forward in that. But here's the invitation for you. I, I want to put this scripture, this prayer of Paul, back on this screen. And, and here's 
the invitation for you is to understand that his love, higher than Mount Everest, deeper than challenged depth, this idea of, of so vast and so great, that his love surpasses our ability to even fully grasp it. That my fears don't stand a chance when I stand in the width of God's love. My insecurities don't stand a chance when I stand in the length of God's love. My doubts don't stand a chance when I stand at the height of God's love for me. My worries don't stand a chance when I stand at the depth of God's love for you. And Paul is praying that you would be strengthened in your faith and that you would be established and rooted in love, that Christ might dwell in your hearts and that you may come by the power of the Spirit to grasp a little bit more this year and a little bit more the year after of how high and wide and deep and long is the love of Christ for you. Here's the takeaway I wrote. When it's in the love of Christ I live, I'm filled with love to give. And when I understand how much fullness of love Christ has for me and I get to live there, then I'm filled up with love to give. And our world needs more of that. So here's the encouragement to you. As this scripture is on the screen, it is to take 90 seconds right now where you're at or kind of creating a moment where you're reaching up in worship and, and just... Uh, maybe God's putting one person on, on your mind, in your mind, on your heart. That you're like, man, I, I just want them to understand how much Jesus loves them. And, and so you take 90 seconds and, and pray for them to be captivated by the fact that Jesus loves them. And for some of you, you're on a spiritual journey and uh, maybe you're at your house and you're like, man, I just... I wish I understood more how much Jesus loves me. Like, I get it, I've read it, I've heard the, I got the bumper sticker, but it hasn't ever penetrated my heart, like, into the core of who I am. Then, friend, pray this for yourself. I've been praying it for you. So let's take 90 seconds, and then we'll close with how Paul prays and how he closes out this chapter 3. But I invite you right now where you're at. If you want to get on your knees, if you want to just sit there, if you want to stand, whatever you want to do, and pray this on behalf of one person or on behalf of yourself, you're invited to join us in doing that now.
Jesus, we thank you for this amazing love that you have for us. And we lift the people that would have been on our heart, we lift ourselves to you. May this week be a week of journeying with you into discovery in fresh and new ways of how high and how wide and how long and how deep is your love for us. As we sing about your reckless love, Spirit, would you move in our hearts and refresh us now? God, to you who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine, according to your power that is at work within us, to you be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus in every generation forever and ever. Amen.
There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. Come on, this is how much he loves us. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. Coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down. Coming after me. for joining us tonight. Um, man, if we take away anything from tonight, probably two things. One is just what Jack's talking about, that this love of God that envelops us, uh, the kind of a way that I've read it, it's wide enough that it's able to embrace every person, whether Jew or Gentile in biblical times nowadays, maybe it might be Democrat or Republican, whether, whatever you are, it's wide enough to embrace you. It's long enough to reach the person who's far off from God, person who's close to God, it still reaches that person as well. It's high enough to lift us up to the heavens, and yet it's still low enough that it goes down to the very deepest parts of sin, and it's able to raise us up. <clears throat> Amen. And the second thing is, gosh, I really butchered that first thing I tried to say tonight, so uh, when you go back and watch YouTube, uh, let's all have a laugh together next week at how poorly I said what I said. It was really bad, and I, it's, I had to say something about it. It's that bad. It was pretty funny for me. So that's just me making fun of myself because insecurities, whatever, you know? Uh, so the important news, uh, we've got the second Saturday food distribution coming out this week. So if you want to help us out with that, uh, there's two opportunities for you to serve. First is Friday. Um, we need a couple people to help us. I think it's up to like five people or so to help us at Caring Ministries. We're going to pack those food boxes that we're going to give out. And then on Saturday, we're going to actually give the, the boxes out to folks. Um, so if you've got time uh, on Friday or Saturday and you want to be a part of that, please uh, let Jack know. Uh, he'll actually be in the back. So if you're new here tonight as well, we've got the 10-minute party going on in the back. And Jack would just love to get to know you, uh, find out more about you and how we can partner with you in your journey with Christ. So uh, thanks again for coming tonight. We love you all. Um, we look forward to, to getting together to worship next week. Amen.